and branches flapped in the wet wind. What had happened to the old Melanie? Time was she would have been eating this up instead of feeling the butterflies. They drove as far as the boathouse before the path became too narrow for the G-car to pass. A traffic jam of blue and whites and American-made sedans with tinted windows had all stopped at the same place, parked every which way in front of the ornate brick building. Their drivers were nowhere in sight. Slapping a police placard in the front windshield, Dan got out and came around to open Melanie's door. At least the service is good, she said, stepping out. He closed the door with a thud, and the sound seemed to echo in the gloom all around them. Not as good as what you're going to get later. I wasn't done with you. Dan winked at her, giving her a jolt right down to her toes. It was a warm, rainy night, and the sky above them glowed lurid orange with reflected light from the city. They passed through a gate to enter the ramble, and the manicured park immediately turned wild and overgrown, smelling of wet earth and rotting leaves. The woods closed in on either side, so the footpath was barely wide enough for two people to walk abreast. She couldn't see more than a few feet ahead. The ground was broken and uneven, and Melanie was glad she'd chosen boots with sturdy soles. A sudden scurrying noise in the underbrush made her start. You okay? Dan asked. Yeah, just a squirrel. Or a rat. This is Central Park, after all. Thanks a lot. I'd try to take him out with my Glock, but I haven't been to the range lately. Melanie laughed. Oh, that gives me a lot of confidence. The path sloped upward and opened onto a vista that would have been beautiful if it weren't swarming with cops and blazing with strange artificial light. Portable Klieg lamps had been set up around the edges of a ravine that dropped off precipitously from the pathway. Beyond the ravine, which measured maybe twenty feet deep by fifty feet wide, an inlet of the Central Park Lake glittered and a spectacular weeping willow swayed in the wet wind. Below, crime scene detectives in protective white coveralls and face masks were busy photographing, bagging, marking, and sampling, their grim faces washed out to sepia hues by the glare. Melanie and Dan came to a halt by necessity. Both the path ahead and the steep trail down into the ravine where the detectives worked were blocked off with police barricades. There's Brennan, Dan said. He cupped his hands around his mouth. Yo, Butch, up here. A tall, stocky man, standing knee-deep in the underbrush in the middle of the ravine, looked up. Butch Brennan was the supervisor of the crime scene team, an old-timer nearing retirement now, who'd waded through oceans of gore in his day without losing his happy-go-lucky attitude. In fact, the more brutal the crime, the more cheerful Butch got. And Melanie could tell that he was smiling broadly through his face mask now as he gave them a peppy wave. He looks way too happy, Melanie said. I'm going home. You can't leave. It's pitch dark and there's a killer on the loose. Stay there, Butch yelled. I'm coming to get yous. Melanie shielded her eyes against the glare and watched Butch Brennan clamber up the side of the ravine. He picked his way carefully along a ragged schist outcropping, then doubled back toward them, careful not to disturb anything in the cordoned-off areas. Dan! Melanie! Butch said, nodding, breathing heavily as he yanked off a paper face mask. Glad to see the feds won the case. We need all the help we can get. That doesn't sound good, Melanie commented. It's not, Butch said. Whoever did this is a major psycho. 
Janice Marsh from the DA's office was here before. She saw the body turn green and ran off to Hurl. Haven't seen her since. What's so bad? Dan asked. The victims hacked all their shit, Butch said. And the killer carved bitch in her stomach with a hunting knife. I'll tell you, I thought about puking myself, and I've seen everything. The DA's office has dibs, Melanie said to Dan. I should bow out. Melanie was a federal prosecutor from the U.S. Attorney's Office, whereas the DA was state. The two offices were constantly engaged in turf battles. Melanie wasn't just looking for an excuse here. In a situation like this, the politics could get tricky. My boss worked out the turf issues already with Manhattan North Homicide, Dan said. The investigation is joint state-federal. If the Bureau and the NYPD can play nice, I'm sure you can get along with the DA's office. Don't leave, really, Butch said. Janice ain't coming back anytime soon. We need a prosecutor with a strong stomach on this case.